Psalm 34, and I'm just going to read a few verses uh, for the sake of time. I'm going to start at verse 8. Oh, taste. Well, actually, I'm going to start at verse 4. There's so many good verses in this psalm. It's kind of hard to edit any out. It starts at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never, <coughs> shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Uh, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. That, that'll, that'll do for now. Isn't it good? I want to focus in on, on verse 8. And, and verse 8 has been a, it, it's almost like a theme verse for what God's been doing with us as a church over the last four or five years. Taste and see that God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And I was looking at it again the other day, and I just got impacted again by what's being communicated in, in that scripture to us. Uh, it, it's, it's astonishing. Just in one line, taste and see that God is good. There's so much going on, uh, and so much that God's trying to communicate to us. And, and I just want to share with you some of my sort of conclusions, just meditating on this again. Just, just the idea that it's possible to taste God. I mean, that just blows you away straight off, doesn't it? It's actually possible to have an experiential encounter with the Most High, the Creator, the Lord, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, you know, all those incredible words that describe Him, the Holy One. It's, it's actually possible, and not only possible, but encouraged to actually have an experience of him. And not only is it encouraged to have an experience of him, we're encouraged to evaluate him on the basis of that experience. All right, so there's taste and see that God is good. So there's, there's, there's something almost quite vulnerable, I think, that God is doing here in this invitation to come and, come and have, come, come up close. I like that scripture. Come cuddle right up close and, and have a taste. Get, get a nibble on me and then see what you think. You know, if you go to a, a restaurant, they're always asking you to put, a, you know, put your opinion of them on TripAdvisor. I don't know if you've noticed that. Lots of places are on this now. They want, they want to, you to say that you went to their place, you ate their food, they looked after you, and it was good. Because then if it goes up on TripAdvisor, more people will come and they can charge more money and their business flourishes. They want you to come and taste and see that their food is good and tell everybody about it. Now, us being British, often we'll say, they always come, you know, you had about three bites and they always come and say, how was your food? And you always say, oh yeah, very, very good. But inside we may be saying, I'm never coming back again. Because we have this ability to evaluate what we're tasting. Don't we? It's like, this steak is very chewy, and I just paid 20 quid for it. <laughs> I'm not coming back here again. The lights are very nice. The music is excellent. You know, the service is good. But I'm tasting, and it's not so good. Huh? Does that ever happen to you? And, and, 
and we smile and we say fine and we don't go, either we don't put anything on TripAdvisor or, or we write something, the steak was chewy, anonymously. <laughs> so this is, this is a startling scripture, taste and see. And, and actually Jesus did the same thing. In case you think this is an isolated incident, maybe this was a one-off, you know, God was, God was in a particularly good mood this day and he said, come on, have a nibble, but that was it. If you missed that moment, you missed it. No, Jesus stood up on the day of the feast and he said, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. If anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. Drink is in John 7. And then it says something would happen to them that out of them would flow rivers of living water. So God is inviting people to get close enough to drink and eat him, to taste what he's like and evaluate the experience. So, so what, what, are we, what are we learning? Well, we're learning that anybody can experience him. This, this is clearly saying, this is broadcastable. This, is, this isn't to a specific group. This isn't to special people. This isn't to the highly tuned spiritual ones. This is an invitation like Jesus did on that day of the feast. Anybody out there, come and have a, come and have a nibble. Come and, come and have a drink and see what you think. Now that tells us something that tells us that in God's opinion, because he made us originally, or it all got messed up, but he made us, he made everybody on the planet with a capacity to nibble on him. Saved or unsaved, you know, distant, whatever label you could put on them, whatever religion they're following, whatever how the deepest, darkest parts of Africa they may live in, whatever they are, whoever they are, wherever they are, how awful it is for them, they could taste God. Because He designed us to be connected to Him, and it doesn't matter how lost or distant you are, the connector is still present. It may be sort of flapping in the wind. It may be connecting to, to, ver- to things that are, that are unhealthy or unhelpful. But the connector is there. The ability is there. And, and we're actually seeing that. It's interesting. Just doing evangelists, getting the stories back from Dumfries last week. People, unbelieving people, just on the street that we're going up to and we're praying for. And say, well, you know, you, you, could, you could feel God. And they're like, you're joking. Yeah, and you pray for them and they get all tingly. Uh, what's that? That's God. Is that good? Would you like some more? Yes, we'd like some more. They just tasted and saw that God was good. They're wired for it. Your friends are wired for it. Your colleagues are wired for it. The planet is wired. For the, they're just waiting for someone who knows how to connect them, to give them a free sample of heaven. It's not exciting. I'll let Andy tell the story himself, but he, he was just telling us he was praying for a taxi driver the other day, and just the whole. And this guy was of another religion, but the whole cab just filled with the tangible presence of God. Yeah. Isn't this cool? People are getting led to Jesus because we're saying to them, uh, well, "Well, let me just pray for you." And now, what is Jesus saying to you? And we're not giving them Bible verses. Jesus is speaking to them directly, Scripture. And then you ask them, it's like, well, did you know Scripture? No. This is just what Jesus said to me. Well, there's actually a Scripture that says that. Oh, really? Because he just said that to me. 
he's alive, he's real, he's close, and anybody can get a taste. And we're just kind of waking up to this as the people of God. I think we've had this constraint on us thinking, well, everybody's going to hell and we're going to heaven. We've got to tell them they're going to hell in order that they change to come and go and change their mind and then they'll believe in Jesus and come to heaven and find out that he's good. Actually, I think God's plan is that we, that, is that we give away free samples of heaven and then they just sort of forget about this hell stuff. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying, what did Jesus do? What Jesus did was he went around saying, come and have a drink. He went around feeding people. He went around doing good. He went around around giving free samples of the goodness of God. He went around healing all the sick people. He went around getting rid of their demons, the things that tormented them and captured them and, and, and just sort of pressed in on them. Jesus went around setting people free. And then he walked off. He, he explicitly was not recruiting, but he was looking for followers. So, taste and see. This is, this is. This, I think there's just a mindset shift beginning to happen with the church. It's like we've got goodies that we can give away, and anybody can get this. Yeah. It can be healing. It can be just a touch from heaven. It, it it can be a word of encouragement. It's amazing what happens to people when you just sort of. People that serve you and you prophesy over them. They just don't know what's going on. You start to speak encouragement and they're tasting something of the heart of the Father. Lots of people think he's mean. This is saying if you taste him, you find out he's not. Isn't that exciting? Everybody. So... Some, some believers struggle to taste. And I think that's more either to do with their upbringing or where religion has got in. Because this is saying anybody and everybody can taste, believers or not. And if you're sitting here as a believer, like, well, I've never tasted. Well, today's your lucky day. You're, in fact, you're more equipped as a believer than an unbeliever is. Well, I, I'm not that spiritual. That isn't about how spiritual you feel you are. This is about our original created design with this connection piece that God is the only one who really satisfies when that is connected to him. That ability to taste, that ability to drink is in everybody. Don't count yourself out. It's, it's, it's in, it's, as we've said already, it's, it, it's in the person who's in the deepest, darkest place can experience the taste of the goodness of God. How much more folks who believe that he's good anyway. And, and I, I just want to, God is, have you noticed, this is, this is, this is vulnerable of God. Because actually, it, there's a sense in this sentence that he's given you, a bit like going to a restaurant and whether you put it on TripAdvisor or not. The ultimate decision about whether that was good or not is not what they told you, not what was on the menu about how succulent the steak was and what the sauces are like and how brilliant our chef is, all right? All of that information that you get that maybe lured you to the place in the first place, ultimately the test is, what did it taste like to you? Yeah? yeah? yeah. So you can have all the info, you can have, you know, you can, where the meat came from and how long it's been hung and, and whether it was medium rare or rare and, and all that, but the bottom line is, what did it taste like? Yeah. 
It's cooked by chef so-and-so and it's in this, you know, Michelin star, blah de blah de blah de blah All of this is supposed to tell you and get you ready for the taste experience of a lifetime. But if the information doesn't correlate with the experience, you're going to go with what it tastes like. Yeah. Uh, am I not right? Otherwise, there's no point going to the restaurant. You say, oh, it's a brilliant restaurant. Never been, but it's five-star. It's Michelin this. It's da-da-da. The steak's hung for da-da-da. But that's all the information you need to know. No one would ever go, but we just know it's brilliant because they told us. And some people treat the Bible that way. Well, well, you know, here's the the menu. I mean, God is five-star. I mean, he's got more Michelin stars than you would ever find a master chef. Forever and ever. I mean, he is the ultimate gourmet yeah. chef. He, he, is, he is the most brilliant one. He is the most shining one. We could preach about him forever. You can read his book. Yeah. It's full of great information about him. But you know what? The thing that's going to tell you whether he's good or not is not what he told you or someone told you, but about what you tasted. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I'm supposed to get down and chomp on some God. <laughs> We're supposed to savor his yummy goodness. And then he's saying, all right, I, I, I've written this huge, this huge love letter, this incredible Bible to you, but you know what? I'm trusting your capabilities, your sensibilities, your, the thing I put in you at the beginning, that when you actually taste me, you're going to come to the right conclusion." Whether you've been brainwashed by whatever, whether you're, whether, even if you're a con, con, convinced atheist, I actually trust that if you taste me, you're going to see I'm good. It's trusting people to come with the, to the right conclusion from an experience. From an experience. From an experience. From an experience. This kind of cuts across so much. I have to teach you the right thing. I'm not saying teaching is wrong and information is helpful, but unless it becomes an experience, it's just like never it's like knowing the menu and never going to the restaurant. I know lots about that restaurant. I know how long they hang their meat and I know how they process their food and I know how brilliant the chef is, but I never ate there. This is an invitation to everybody to come into the experience side of a really good God. It's not that all the information is irrelevant because that's meant to lure you to that point of experience. That's meant to get you into God's restaurant, get you into God's house in order to have an encounter. He's trusting you to come to the right conclusion if you, if you have a munch. Don't you think that's scary? Well, what, what, what if someone tasted and they thought, yeah. Isn't it possible that someone's going to go, yeah. God tastes a bit sour, not coming back. Now this is saying, if you taste, you will see. Yeah, but he's leaving the decision to people. People, uh, I mean, there's so many different kinds of people. People have different 
values. People have different experiences. People have... He's saying... He's almost kind of guaranteeing, regardless of what they're like, if they go for this, they kind of come to this conclusion. Isn't that a bit bold of God? It's not like, I've told you that I'm good, and regardless of your experience, you've got to believe it. In fact, I'd put it this far, that what he's probably saying is if you've had a taste and it wasn't good, it probably wasn't God. Someone may have told you it was God. They may have told you that it was, you know, Michelin star. But if it tasted off and it tasted rank, then I have a feeling that something somewhere was going wrong. Because what he's saying is he's so overwhelmingly good, if you just have a go, you can't miss. But sometimes, maybe even what the church has wrapped up as God has not been God. You know, we've, we've served up things that are a bit kind of, yeah, that's a, you just, I just tasted guilt. I just got slimed with judgment. Just for example. I just find it staggering that God would trust the whole planet to come up with the right answer. He's good. He trusts you that when you taste him, the answer you'll come out with is good. <laughs> and he is overwhelmingly good. He is, that is the only possible solution. And it means that every human has that capacity to both taste and come to that conclusion. And that's, what's, that's happening around us. I think something's got to happen almost inside the church to realize the shift that's happened out there. Stories and stories I'm hearing, things that we're experiencing, the, what as believers in a church we call the world, the world has changed. The world is open, it's hungry, and, and people are interested in encountering reality, encountering God. It's not like it was for some of us as we, as we grew up. And challenge for us is to not keep behaving as if it was like it was when the season shifts we can keep behaving like oh well you know people aren't interested and it's difficult and but that it really isn't true it actually shifted and people are hungry for what you are all and i'm carrying <laughs> i'm going to read you this from a different translation. Is that okay? You can get this. It's, this is called the Passion Translation. It, it's amazing. It's just so rich and colorful. This is verse 8, Psalm 34. Drink deeply of the pleasures of God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. It's good enough to read again. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Well, how has taste become drink? Well, the the author says that the word there, uh, usually translated taste and see, is the 
the root word for see in Hebrew is taken from the word that means drink deeply. Isn't that cool? Drink deeply. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies. It's possible for all to experience the pleasurable nearness of God. That's the way we come to our conclusions about him. And I think one of the reasons why so many people have come up with the wrong conclusions about him is we have not been giving the world an encounter with him. But that's changing because we are. And it's happening in here and it's happening out there. And when we encounter him, we know that he's good. Isn't that good? just want to read you a bit more about this psalm. Because it sounds pretty upbeat, doesn't it, the psalm? It's kind of jolly. If you read the psalm, it's like, yeah, this is great. Like David's having a good time. David wrote this psalm at perhaps the lowest point in his life. He actually wrote it when he was feigning madness before a king. If you know the story of David, he's being chased. So he's, <laughs> he's apart from his friend Jonathan He's being chased by Saul and his paid assassins. And now he had to run and hide in the cave of Adullam. Yet the beautiful sound of praise is heard echoing out of this cave. This is a lesson for us all. We praise our way out of difficulties into light. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, as we focus on him, stuff we're not asking for starts to happen. I mean, good, good things. Sometimes we're busy asking and needing and leaning and crying out for things for God to do for us. And he's invited us to ask. But if we miss this, we're going to miss something powerful. He says, blessed are those who take refuge in him. David, David had learned to keep himself pointed at the Father. He'd learned to, whatever distractions in life, whatever pressure, and this is a pressurized time, I mean, he's, behaving, he's behaving weird. He's feigning madness before this king. But whatever's going on, his friends aren't around. People are rejecting him. People are after his life. His inner posture is, I'm pointed at you, God. You are my refuge. I worship you. I honor you. I know you're good. I've tasted and I keep tasting. And I just, because that's the other thing about tasting God is you need to come back for seconds and thirds and fourth. There's, there's this kind of, he's, he's the one thing that it's okay to be, it's legitimate to get addicted to. It's okay to be a Holy Spirit junkie. In fact, it's recommended. 
So he's, I could lose my thread here. <laughs> his, his posture, his inner posture is, I'm going to worship you, God, whatever. Whatever's going on, I'm going to worship you. Because your goodness is better than anything in life. And there was a point in my life a few years ago now, I've told this story before, but life had been hell. Leading church had been horrible. And it had gone on for too long. And I was in a mess. I was just in a complete mess. And I was broken up on the inside. And this had been going on for a while. This wasn't like a momentary thing. We'd had a year of it. And then it was probably another year at least of just not doing well at all. And Teresa being, my wife being concerned about me and me being concerned about me and kind of, I couldn't function till about 11 o'clock every day. I was just like, it took me, I can't quite explain it really. Some of you have been through it. It's just this kind of cloud over you, this pain inside you and nothing is working. And, and I was in this, I was in the car and someone, had, this is a few years ago, and had given me, uh, it was a Kim Walker CD who I'd just heard of. And it was actually Jesus culture, we cry out. And I'm listening to this CD and I think, wow, Holy Spirit's on this. This is amazing. And I take this thing home and I don't know any of the songs on it. And I start worshipping. So remember, I'm pretty busted up. I start worshipping to this, knowing none of the songs. And I'm just there, I'm worshipping. I'm pouring my heart out to God. And I'm having an encounter. I'm tasting goodness. Is happening, and then there's this fr- refrain in one of the songs where it says, "Your love makes it worth it all." And I stopped. I thought that's not true. Your love does not make all this crap worth it. How I'm feel, how I have ended up feeling, what has happened. There's no way your love makes all that worth. If I weigh up what I've just experienced and what I know of you, this is way worse. Yeah, I know your love is nice, but this is overwhelming. My sense of your love does that make sense and I don't know quite what happened but I like I'm just going to keep going so I kept worshipping and I had this incredible encounter full snot encounter (laughs) (laughs) I I was I was honestly it's funny in another way I was really really just weeping but I had an encounter with the love of God I have to say all that crap, all that rubbish, all that pain, his love makes it worth it all. It really does. And if that's not true inside of you, you need to taste and see that he's good. Tasting God is so good that whatever cave you happen to be in, huh? he's the light inside it. Whatever spot you happen to be in, he's, he's gooder than the spot. He's gooder than the mess. He's better. He tastes good. He is good. And, and people carry trauma inside them for sometimes decades, stuff that happened to them that holds them back from him. And you know the thing that we all need the most is just to taste and see that he's good? Because what these little things start to tell us is that maybe he isn't. Or maybe he's good for everybody else, but you know, all this crap happened to me. He can't be that good. You know what? He is good. And in fact, his goodness is is so amazing that it starts to overwhelm our pain and our sense of loss or whatever it is, and we just go, God, you're good. I may be in a cave, but yay, God, you're amazing. So I love that translation. 
It's a good day for drinking deeply of the pleasures of this God. Because that's what was happening to me. That's what keeps happening to me. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Move everything else out of the way. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Distractions, other passions, drink deeply of, this, of the pleasures of this God. Get your inner self orientated to drinking deeply of the pleasures of this God. Take a moment in a day to find him and let him find you. Take a time, it's called worship. It's regardless of what your circumstances are making you feel, you start to give praise and glory and honor to him. And you know what happened? It clears a space in your inner world for God to show up. Worship creates a space inside you for you to experience him intimately and powerfully and start to taste that he is good.